How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business or technology advice utterly confusing? Welcome to Real Talk with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that business people and technology people can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome. My name is Sam Holzman. Thank you for joining me uh, in this broadcast. Uh, the topic uh, for this broadcast, as you can see, is cybersecurity root cause analysis, the state of the practice. And let me summarize as we begin here. Uh, the practice is quite weak, uh, and that surprised me a little bit. Uh, cyber incidents have been increasing at an exponential rate now for quite some time. And this concept of root cause analysis uh, comes back to decades and decades ago about finding the real underlying cause of issues or problems, uh, and sometimes, of course, opportunities. So as we move forward, we're going to be chatting a little bit about the historical nature of this and also how I got involved personally and how we got involved in this particular area. Uh, this term, if it is not familiar to you, um, is a term that encompasses methods and tools and techniques and strategies uh, to surface problem causes. Uh, that's really where it started. Uh, and the concept of the root cause is the ultimate problem to be addressed. Rather than a symptom or a po possibly a, a correlation activity, this is really where the issue lies. We've got involved in this concept decades and decades ago um, when I was working uh, in the area of biomedical and bioelectrical engineering. Uh, my career started off, my first college degree is in biomedical engineering. And we were involved in two things at that time, investigating head trauma uh, from actually football players, and also some tragic events that occurred in the automobile business. Uh, specifically, uh, some of you may remember uh, uh, some of the headlines about the Ford Motor Company Pinto um, that unfortunately had a fire situation where if the car was uh, hit from the rear, the gas tank ruptured, and if there was a spark near there, caused an explosion. And unfortunately, a number of people perished in there. And so this concept of total quality management and our involvement uh, came from those areas about finding um, the root cause, not finger pointing necessarily in the beginning. There's always possibly, and not always, but possibly someone involved, human involved in this situation, but what actually caused the situation so that it could be prevented. And so the area of analysis was called total quality management. And this long effective and tried approach in the world of physical world of manufacturing has been around for decades. And you and I, as technologists or software developers are in the manufacturing business. We're manufacturing software. 
So perhaps we can learn from our brothers and sisters in those other areas and take a look at this to find out where the root cause of these cyber incidences are. So we're gonna outline a suggested approach to the analysis and provide the insight that we found and at least one important root cause, there's actually two we're gonna to present to you that we believe are on the top of the pile, top of the heap of fundamental issues, ultimate issues when it comes to trying to address this root cause of the increasing and continually increasing and more frightening areas of cyber threats that are out there. So this concept is sometimes, if you look, uh, abbreviated RCA, root cause analysis, problem identification and solving method, focuses on identifying the issues or errors and that would prevent the issue or error from recurring in the future. Please notice what this is. It says the root cause, if we can find it and stop it or prevent it, will stop the actions. And if we can be so bold, if we can find the root cause of cyber attacks, then we can stop it. So let me translate. If it happens again, it's not a root cause, it's something else. So if we keep having cyber actions against us, that means we haven't found the root cause. We're just dancing around. And I'm gonna be a little bit direct and bold with you because we really have to address this issue. And it's not that complicated, but we have to open our eyes and think about this a little bit differently rather than chasing things around. So the root cause is equal to the causal or contributing factor that when corrected would prevent the problem from occurring again. It really is kind of simple. So let me show you some simple examples of this. And one of the techniques of the many techniques we're going to be discussing here, one of the techniques that we have found really, really is kind of straightforward and really is eye-opening. And so here's a simple example. The problem that we have is at the top of this next chart, and we have a number of examples for you. The word why, and we'll explain the history of that word in just a little while here, is asked five times, and the responses are recorded in descending order of why, 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 not in priority, but as they're coming up in the thought processes, and this is one approach to the analysis, and as I mentioned, we're going to show you some other ones, and the last response that is identified is the root cause. So here's the problem. I ran through a red light. Why did I run through the red light? I was late for work. Well, why was I late for work? I woke up late. Well, why did I wake up late? The alarm clock was broken. Well, why was the alarm clock broken? Well, I didn't check out to see if it was working. Well, why didn't I check this out? I forgot to do that last night. So the root cause of me going through a red light was I forgot to check the alarm clock. 
Another example, same type of Y situation. The problem, there's a puddle of water on the floor. Why is there a puddle of water on the floor? Well, the overhead pipe is leaking. Okay. Well, why is the overhead pipe leaking? It's because there's too much water pressure in the pipe. Why is there so much pressure in the pipe? Because there's a faulty control valve. Why is there a, control, a, a faulty control valve? Because the control valve, valves haven't been tested. Well, why haven't the control valves been tested? Because the control valves are not on the maintenance schedule. That's the root cause of the issue. Notice how different this is in saying, okay, we've got a faulty control valve. Let's just change the control valve. And you know what'll happen. We haven't found the root cause and it can happen again. This is what's important about this type of analysis. Here's another one. And this is real. The Washington Monument was degrading. Why was it degrading? Because harsh chemicals were used to clean the Washington Monument. Why were harsh chemicals used? <laughs> to clean up after the pigeons. <laughs> There's a lot of pigeons that were around the Washington Monument. Why were there so many pigeons? Well, they like to eat spiders and there was a lot of spiders at the monument. Why were there a lot of spiders at the monument? Because spiders like to eat gnats and there was a lot of gnats at the monument. Why were there so many gnats at the monument? They're attracted to the light at dusk. What was the solution? Turn the lights off after a later time. You got to be kidding me. No. Now think about it for a moment. What would be a natural approach? Well, let's invent some other chemicals. Let's spend a hundred million dollars trying to figure out how to invent more chemicals or different types of chemicals. That may be the answer, by the way. But maybe there's a different approach. One final example. The department didn't complete the project on time. That's the problem. Immediate actions need to be taken. This is what we also have to think about. The why analysis, root cause analysis may take some time. Meanwhile, we have an issue out there. Additional resources applied to help get the project team back on schedule. However, we said, pause. No new projects get started until we figure out what the actual underlying issue is. So now there's immediate action. I was with a colleague in a, in a, in a meeting and the power went out in their house and they got an alarm notice and they realized in this particular area, the, uh, they had some pumps that in basements and the power was off and they had had an issue before where the power was off and the sump pump wasn't working, the basement started flooding. So what did they have to do? Take immediate action, leave the meeting, get the generator running so the sump pump is working and then figure out what to do later. 
So sometimes, of course, as it says here, you have to take short-term action. So now let's get back on the track here. And you'll see a different style of analysis here for just a moment. It's a different type of diagram. And we will discuss these different types of diagrams in just a moment. So once again, the issue is the project wasn't completed on time. Why? This is called, it has a number of names, okay? Um, fishbone diagrams, Ishikawa diagrams, and we'll talk about these different diagram types. It's a different way to display things. It's a cause and effect type of diagram. So once again, we didn't complete the project on time, and we divide it up into categories as we're thinking about this. Could be personnel issues, could be procedure issues, could be material issues, could be equipment issues. So let's take a look at the personnel issue for a, 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 for a moment. A lack of resources. So now let's do the why analysis. Why is there a lack of resources? And see where we go from here. As you can see, there could be other things. Remember, I mentioned just earlier on in our, in our broadcast that there may be a number of cause and effect issues, number of underlying issues cyber, that, that are causing cyber issues. The root causes. As you know, when you have a tree, the roots have various types of things going on. There isn't one possible root. So maybe there's more. So this is the exploration that you and I need to do. So let's grab onto this one. Resources were not available when they were needed. Why? Why weren't those resources available? Well, it took too long to hire a project manager that was going to be responsible for hiring the resources required. Why, did, why was that the issue? Because the, there was no job description, essentially specifications given to the human resource department. This takes a little bit of investigation. The root cause, there was no formal process for submitting job openings. So the corrective action immediately was to hire another worker to meet the needs of the project team. The preventative action is to develop a checklist form with human resources for submitting job openings in the future. And therefore then the root cause will be addressed. So one of the more popular approaches to root cause analysis is called the five whys. And it comes from Toyota. As a matter of fact, the founder of Toyota, who is Toyoda, T-O-Y-O-D-A, by the way, if you don't know that, not T-O-Y-O-T-A, which is actually the company. And he was one of the seminal founders of this type of concept because of the obsession with quality that Toyota had. <clears throat> and a lot of the American industries followed, it was called in the automobile industry, the Toyota way, looking at this and analyzing what was going on. And this approach is used in manufacturing time and time again, and not just by Toyota, but virtually every manufacturing company is looking at this type of approach. And you'll see the various approaches uh, and diagrams that people have come up with besides asking these questions, okay? And as the head of the, uh, the architect of the Toyota production system says, this is the basis for Toyota's approach 
to building and developing some of the most highly high quality cars in the world. Still there, because what they do is they don't chase the problems. They find the problem and they solve it. Now, there's a number of different approaches and I'm gonna quick, quickly in this broadcast outline these to you. And I'm gonna spend a little bit more time on each one of these rather than this one chart, but these are all the different approaches to visualize what is going on here. And there isn't one way to do this. There's a number of different ways and we use all of these different types depending on the audience and depending on the complexity and depending on the stakeholders and what they like to see. And so some of these are relatively familiar possibly to you, because again, all of these have been around for decades. Not in IT Weekly, perhaps, okay, but in the manufacturing world. Once again, I want you to think about the concept of building software is a manufacturing process. Manufacturing process. So why don't we, again, talk to our friends in the manufacturing world and see how they address problems, opportunities, quality, quality, that's a great idea. And of course, it comes down to root cause. So fishbone, sometimes called a cause and effect diagram. The author is a gentleman named Ishikawa, sometimes called Ishikawa diagram. And basically, I gave you an example of that a little bit ago as another approach to diagram, to visualize what is, is going on. There is no quote, right answer or number of fish bones that are here, but it gives you that sort of categorization and understanding. This is one of our favorites because some of you that have been following our organizations know that we are really uh, steeped in the concepts of ontological representation that provide categorizations of understanding. It's a very popular technique also in total quality management and in root cause analysis. Failure mode and effects analysis, a more of a chart-like situation that has a mapping of an identification of failures. And it's not only for identifying flaws, but how often they happen. In other words, how big of an issue is this? What actions have taken been taken in the past and possibly not addressed the root cause? And what actions have been effective in remedying this situation so we have an understanding, we have a catalog of good stuff that we can follow. Pareto charts. It's a way to map out events and problems in order of how often they occur. So if we've got lots of things going on out there in cybersecurity, which ones should we be attacking first because they occur so often, okay? Helps identify problems that are more significant than the others. And with a chart like this, people can sort of see what is going on. Scatter diagrams look for, it's an X and Y axis, a two-dimensional model that look for understanding impact and, and significance. So here we have a chart of temperature and sales. And I love the, what I call the hmm test. This is interesting. Sales go up when the temperature goes up. 
well, maybe what we do is we're selling bathing suits, or maybe we sell, sell suntan lotion or something like that. And that's what explains it. I'm just giving you an example. I didn't give you any axes other than that. And of course, you look for a trend line to see whether or not there is a, con a consistency in trending. And as we can see here, there's a pretty good trend line. Sometimes we see some things that's literally the word scatter diagrams. There is no pattern that's identifiable. And this gives us that visual to see if there is some correlation that we can look at. A fault tree analysis. You know what it looks like? A tree. <laughs> and we have that same type of situation. We identify causes of problems. It looks like a tree. Every potential cause is included in its own branch. So we've got lots of different branches and we can look at the analysis of that situation. And finally, coming full circle again, the five whys, the five whys. And even though this may look a little cartoonish, there is the visual effect that sometimes really does help out. So what's the, what's the symptom here, okay? You and I are the customer and we're not real happy. We're in a restaurant and we're not happy. Why are we not happy? Well, we're not happy because the service is slow. Now, you know what you and I think about when we go into a restaurant and we see that? Lots of different things we can think about, right? Well, why is the service slow? Well, it's because the food orders are late. That's that kitchen help. That's the problem. Those people, the, 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 the cooks, the short order cooks or the chefs, that's the problem. Notice how we point fingers, just a natural situation. Well, <laughs> why are the orders in the kitchen late? Because the chef isn't cooking. <laughs> the chef isn't cooking. Well, you and I don't know that. Why isn't the chef cooking? Because the chef's busy washing dishes. What? <laughs> what is the chef doing washing dis dishes? Well, the chef sort of went over and said, wait a minute, I can't make any more, I can't serve any more meals because I don't have any dishes to put it on. So I've got to go out, of, out, out there in, because we ran out of plates and I got to go wash dishes. So what's the root cause? We don't have enough plates. Wow, did we come a long way here? Notice how each one of these is a Band-Aid type of situation. It's what we possibly think about or see rather than the root cause. Okay, now look at all the variations of possible solutions that we could have had, which would have not addressed the issue. Well, we got to hire another chef, or we got to whip those chefs, or we got to simplify our menu. You've heard a lot of these. Yeah, we got to simplify our menu to get the stuff out the, out the, uh, out the kitchen faster. Well, maybe that's a solution, but the root cause is very different very exciting approach to me. As we build more and more computer systems, as we're more dependent upon these software development actions, we've really got to think about stopping the evildoers today, or at least begin to recognize what the root cause of the incredible increase and the number of cyber attacks going on. And it shows no 
drop that is in the foreseeable future. As a matter of fact, it's almost becoming passive to us, which is a very big danger. So what are the observations and concerns that we're trying to address? Are you ready for any of these? Poly networks hackers steal more than $600 million in cryptocurrency. Wait a minute, cryptocurrency? I thought that was all secure. Why? Well, because the internet said so. Toyota to cut output as chip shortage finally catches up to it. Why is there a chip shortage? And you've heard a lot of this. Ransomware, average cost of a ransomware attack, a million and a half bucks for people that paid for it, 732,000 didn't pay. Should you pay or not pay? Well, it depends. <laughs> and by the way, once you pay the ransomware, did you find the root cause? Did you find the root cause? Or was possibly that issue sold to somebody else? And we'll talk about that. Because there is just a whole bunch of different things going on. And this is just a short list. And then how about this one? There's a whole business industry out there. Ransomware is a service. There's some creative people out there. I'm only smiling because it's a nervous smile. You gotta be kidding me. No, there's lots of money to be made by evildoers. They're as organized as you and I are, possibly more organized. There are all sorts of sales approaches out there for $29.95. I will make sure that 10,000 different people are affected by X, Y, and Z. So let's come back to the question. Why is the software failing? Big why. Why is the software failing? We were just hacked. Okay. Now, what I put together is what we have seen is the un- recognized approach, I think, to how we're addressing it. So please notice what I say here, tongue only partially in cheek, because what we're doing is finger pointing right now. So what we did was we put together partially, again, tongue in cheek, but partially just to recognize what we're seeing, we put together a universal numbering system for reasons just to reduce communications time. And these are some of the things that you and I have seen or are talking about. Well, number one is unknown. We have no idea. That should scare the bejesus out of everybody. The software supply chain, there's a vulnerability. One of my favorite words, vulnerability. How about calling it what we should? It's a mistake. It's a danger. That's a vulnerability. It's a nice word. software bill of materials. Do we know it all? Do we know that chain of things that are out there? It's purchase software. I am not indicting any of these. This is a list that we're doing just to see what the frequency is of all the things that are out there. It's the North Koreans. It's sanctions that didn't work. It's a specific group. It's COVID. It's because I didn't do digital transformation. Now we see people saying the reason I, do, I have a problem is because I did do digital transformation. It's because I have remote workers. It's because I don't have remote workers. 
It's because I don't have enough tools. It's because I've got too many tools. It's because I'm doing agile programming. It's because I'm doing waterfall programming. I know what the culprit is, COBOL. Everybody knows what the culprit is. It's people, it's contractors, it's ransomware as a service, it's criminal developers, it's a wizard spider group, it's the Russians, it's the Chinese, it's the rebel group, it's, it's a certain individual, it's a nation state, it's the sandworm, it's an oracle bug, it's a data corruption, it's a glitch. Another one of my favorite words that goes along with vulnerability, it's a glitch, it's a glitch. We don't have any multi-factor authentication. The passwords weren't changed. Well, <laughs> we know about that. My goodness. It's malware. It's the TrickBot group. It's another person from Latvia. It's the United Kingdom teenagers sitting at home having a good time. It's a Bluetooth vulnerability. It's LAP SUS dollar sign. It's ransomware. It's cloud. Cloud? Yeah. It's open source. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's Google, it's programming errors, it's commercial off-the-shelf software, it's upper management, of course, it's never us. It's time pressures. And of course, you can go on and on and on and on. Now, what we have done here is I wanna give you a few examples. So I'm gonna shut off just for a moment the presentation because what I wanna do is show you here, and by the way, Okay, yeah, I print things out because it's easier to see patterns when I lay them out on the floor or on the, on the table or something like that. This is just the last 60 days of stuff that we have been researching in this particular area. I just grabbed off the top this little pile here, okay? And just I wanna read you the titles here. Some of them should be kind of scary to you. Open source is becoming a national security risk. Okay, what? <laughs> I thought the great thing about open source is that people would be looking at it to make sure that it was good. You know who else is looking at it? The evildoers. They have the same access as the good people. Well, we got to stop that. <laughs> okay, come on, let's get real. What does that title say to you? I don't know. Cryptocurrency tech is vulnerable to tamping, tam tampering, excuse me. This is from DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. Cryptocurrency and blockchain is vulnerable? I thought that was impenetrable. Where's the root cause? National Security Agency. Ransomware gangs are getting rich enough to buy zero date exploits. What does this say? It means there's enough money out there that they've got enough money from the ransomware that they're paying people to build evil stuff. You know, there's a whole industry out there like this. Russian-linked ransomware groups are changing tactics to dodge crackdowns. So for those of you who think, well, once we got them, everything is good, they've got all this money now too. They're researching ways to get around the vulnerabilities that we have covered because we haven't found the root cause of this stuff here. Hackers reportedly gain access to Drug Enforcement Administration data portal. What is that gonna be used for? A 
How about, I'm not going to say, U.S. jails Ukrainian for hacking 6,000 servers and selling access to them. <laughs> Another business. Forgive me for smiling. But the only way is you got to seem, you got to get a little past this stuff. Ransomware attack hits major farming equipment manufacturer. Why would they do that? Well, how about this next article? Remote bricking of Ukrainian tractors raises agriculture security concerns. Okay, there's the coupling. It's cyber warfare. It's cyber warfare. Five Eyes Nations warned MSPs, management service providers, of step-up cyber threats. Why are they going back after the MSPs? It's because there's a concentration of actions. Wanna cry five years on, still a top threat. Ladies and gentlemen, this thing has been around for five years and it's still a top threat. Have we found the root cause? No, we haven't. Hackers using stealthy Linux backdoor Symbiote to steal credentials. Open source, once again, possibly something we need to look at. Department of Justice, China is still the biggest US cyber threat, but don't ignore Russia. And finally, just there's two more here and then I'm gonna get back on giving you examples. Cyber defense confidence ebbs as ransomware attacks multiply. Let me repeat this title. Cyber defense confidence ebbs as ransomware attacks multiply. So what are one, once again, what are we gonna do about this when we can see that the attacks are increasing? Okay. New report points to cyber risks in TVA control system, Tennessee Valley Authority is what we're talking about here. And I'm not pointing at them as, as a bad person or anything else like that, of course. This is just a few examples. And as I showed you, okay, we've got a stack like this. And what we try to do is to analyze this information to see if there is a pattern to get to the root cause. Because right now, all we're doing, again, being very direct with you on purpose, all we're doing is playing whack-a-mole. That's what we're doing playing whack-a-mole, okay? That's what we're doing. That's what this data is showing us. Stuff has been around for five years or more, and we still are do having this, because you know why? Because it's effective. It's working because we haven't found the root causes. So why stop? The only reason we want to stop is because it's not working anymore. And of course, you're piling up this inventory of evil doing things that you can do and there's a whole industry out there, as you noticed, on, on doing this stuff. So what has been our responsive responses, unfortunately? Not me, it's them, it's them, it's not me, it's not them, it's not me, it's not them, it's them, it's not me, it's not them, it's not me. It's the technology. It's the technology. That's the problem. It's the technology. It's the techniques. It's the techniques. Again, what are we doing here? Oh, we know what the problem is. The problem is Joe, or the problem is Mary, or the problem is Sam, or the problem is Fred. 
What are we doing? It's all the same stuff. If we look at finger pointing for just one moment, please remember that when you finger point, three of the fingers point back to you. <laughs> Nobody thinks about that. And maybe it's time to recognize the emperor has no clothes. The things that we have been doing, unfortunately, are just that, finger pointing, as evidenced by just a few of the articles I showed you. And you saw the stack. And I have file cabinets that I've been keeping and trying to analyze to figure out what the heck is going on here. Yes, the sky is falling, but you know what? As it said in one of the articles, we're just getting jaundiced to all of this. We're getting just blanked out. Well, it's sort of, you know, what we, it's sort of what, you know, just make sure you have backups and make sure you have restores and all these other things and, and just forget about trying to find the root cause. But who's not listening? Nobody seems to be listening. Well, possibly it's time to look in the mirror but the mirror is cracked. You know, it's really nice to put a post-it note over there and say, yeah, you, you, everything is good, everything is good. Look how much more code we've written over, over this period of time. Isn't this fantastic? But you know what we've been doing? We've been looking out the rear view mirror. Here's what happened, here's what happened yesterday. And there's something fascinating about mirrors and windows and automobiles. Notice when we're looking out the rearview mirror, which is what we're doing right now in most organizations by looking at this approach rather than root cause, there's a reason to look out the windshield. The windshield is so much bigger than the rearview mirror. It's where you're headed. It's much more important than what you've left behind. I'm not discounting the desired, the as a state, excuse me. But we have to recognize that we've got to look beyond what we have been doing, which is an after-the-fact attempt to fix a flawed environment. We've got to keep asking why. And that comes down to root cause analysis. This is what we need to do. And it's part of the repertoire of things that you need to do, especially if you are business architects or enterprise architects. This is where this stuff begins because you're going to put together a visual, a blueprint of what this looks like to get to the desired state. So there's four suggested steps to get through this. One, is to identify and describe the triggers. Forget fancy tools or anything else like that. There's a, se a set of things we need to look at. Failures, errors, and events. Failures, errors, events. We need to identify those. We need to describe them, not just name them. Name models are woefully inadequate. Name models are like a table of contents in a book. Let me repeat, like a table of contents in a book. What do we need after that? Content, we need content. If we don't have the content, we don't understand what's going on. That's the descriptions. And then we explain what we believe, not explain away. It didn't say explain away. It says explain 
what we believe is the failure, starting this why analysis of what is going on. And what we find useful is to develop a timeline to figure out what the causes and contributing factors were to this. Because sometimes we see when we went in a certain direction, there was this increase in what's going on. And that's part of the analysis we did, as you'll see at the end of our broadcast here, to figure out, well, what happened? How, we didn't have, quote, cyber attacks 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, possibly 20 years ago. I don't want to talk about the timing right now here. But basically, it hasn't been around forever. And there's some correlation or there's some hmm tests that we need to look at. And that visualization gives us that understanding of what's going on to establish what has occurred and the impact of what has occurred, where it occurred and when. And then we can look at differentiation. Where were we prior to X and where are we now? Where was that delta? What analysis was done, if any, as to what was going on? What were the causal factors that we tried to address and the non-causal causal factors? Did we actually identify some root causes in the past that were there? And then as the last step here, we visualize that root cause. We established the key events that are causing us issues or were causing us issues. We flow the explanation, in other words, give people the background to, so they can see what is going on because no one wants to hear this. They're looking for a magic bullet will make the pain go away. Well, in order to do this, we've got to explain how we, the community, are possibly the culprits. <laughs> and that's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable for me. We test that explanation. Is that where it is? And then put together a human consumable representation of what happened, how it happened, and how we suggest this is going to be addressed. You can use those diagrams. You can use the why examples. There's all sorts of different ways, but you've got to march through. And yes, this is going to be historical at this point because first we got to clean up the hysterics. And then we may be able to get on to preventative analysis. But right now we're in root cause analysis because there's so much out there as you can see, that is being affected. So how do we get started? Or how do you get started? Well, you form a team. You got to have people that are close to this, not ivory tower folks, with all due respect. Develop a timeline, a project plan. We suggest an iteration of six elapsed weeks. And you stick to this. By the way, when will this end? Not going to be two weeks from now or six weeks from now. We want to get a cycle going here so we can get this motion going. We want to define the problem, understand the problem, identify 
possible causes, analyze the effects of the problem, determine potential root causes, determine potential solutions, because we understand sometimes the symptoms may need to be addressed. And we gave you some examples of that also. So this is a logical approach to do this. It's an iterative approach. We identify something and we go after it. Why six elapsed weeks? There's no magic number there, but I want you to start thinking about this iterative approach here. We got to get stuff out the door as the phrase goes. But basically what we want to do is a methodical approach to addressing what we're seeing. So you know what we're, what we're looking at here? Our analysis, our analysis about root causes started with what? Thinking. <laughs> Sam, what? That hopefully is not insulting. I hope it's not. That's not the intention. But it started with thinking. Because one of my favorite people that, I, of course, I never had a chance to meet is this guy. One of his favorite, one of his famous quotes, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. And that's what we have done. Thinking is really, really important. And there's lots of story about Dr., stories about Dr. Einstein of how he forgot about thinking for a period of time because he was so busy doing, lecturing and flying around and being you know, this type of individual, that type of, of, of uh, uh, individual. And another famous quote that he has is, a clever person solves a problem, a wise person avoids it. I love these two quotes. This is root cause analysis at its, at its prime. A clever person solves a problem, a wise person avoids it. That's what we're talking about here. Why is this thinking so important? Almost everything is on the internet, which means there is more vulnerability. And we'll talk to you about why this is the case. Cyber criminals can be anywhere. They don't have to be in your backyard. They can be anywhere. The number of cyber attacks is growing over time. There is a correlation. And if somebody wants to argue with me about that, then I need to see some facts because it's so easy to see this trend. Cyber criminals are becoming professional, a profession. There is groups out there. There's quote certification unquote. You gotta go to the dark web. <laughs> I'll give you the address later on. I'm just joking about that. But basically, there is a whole industry out there that shares ideas, shares things that work, sells things, trains people. It's almost like a pyramid type of scheme. You know, you've got, the, you've got this whole layer of, of, of folks going on in these criminal enterprises. Technologies are getting more complex which meet, leads to more vulnerabilities. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And underlying this is people want access to the internet easier and easier and easier, which means more and more possible evildoers also having, of course, access. 
data consolidation, any type of consolidation are great targets. We need to think about this trade-off going on here. You know, if, if I was looking for money and I was a criminal, I would first look at banks. Uh, maybe I can't penetrate the banks. That's another story. Maybe I can, but that's where all the money is. Or how about data structures? I'm gonna look for the Jagunga data structures because if I can get one hundredth of one tenth of one percent of that structure, I'm gonna be in great shape. People say, well, that's all secured. Oh, oh, not so fast as you saw in some of these articles that are there. Don't think about the word assume without thinking about the word assume. Millions and billions of lines of computer code are continuing to be written in the style that is, as you'll see in our opinion and our analysis, to be one of the issues that are there. Complex coding and complexity is the common cause of cyber crimes. That's what they latch onto. Complexity is exacerbating this. We have to remember that we as developers are human thereby making code vulnerable, especially when we are pressured to get the code out the door every few weeks or every day or every month or whatever it is. There's a pressure going on. Vulnerabilities are cyber criminals fuel. That's what they're looking for. That premium fuel that's getting more and more expensive is what they're looking for. And I don't know how to say this any other way, but as clearly as I hope this is, a functioning computer system does not necessarily mean a secure computer system. They aren't correlated one-to-one. -one. Just because something compiles doesn't mean it's secure. It means it's compiled. And let me go further. Just because you did 10 tests does not mean that the computer or system is good. It means you passed those 10 tests. So resting on those laurels, so to speak, is what the issue is. Anything we ignore does not mean it's not there. Let me repeat, anything that you ignore doesn't mean it's not there. It means that we are ignoring it. And cybercrime dates back to the 1990s. 30 plus years that we have been looking at this and we have essentially been addressing this the same way. And the cyber criminals have been building their knowledge base for 30 plus years. Yet when it comes to you and I, and I don't know about you and I, people can't even recognize their own cybersecurity risks. As of last month, according to a study, I can again send you the studies here, 23 million accounts still use the password one, two, three, four, five, six. Don't need much of a hacking world to figure that one out. And by the way, cyber criminals don't wait or follow rules. They don't wait, they don't follow rules. So trying to take something away from them isn't going to make a difference. This is the thinking. And the thinking has to be creative thinking. To us, this is a chimney. If you remember the story of the three little pigs and the wolf. To a cyber criminal, 
This is an unintended access point. That's the way you and I have to look at these things. This is an unintended access point. So no matter how many locks you put on the front door, it's not going to make any difference if you don't recognize the unintended consequences of the complexity in software that is occurring out there. So as we look at this more and more, we have to recognize what is the gateway in the physical world that we go through when there is complexity? What is the gateway in the physical world that we go through that there is increasing orders of magnitudes of change? What is the gateway in the physical world that we go through when we have to figure out what went wrong? There is a common gateway and by gosh, we have to get on this bandwagon to architecture. I'm not talking about IT planning. I'm talking about architecture, which is the explicit representation of an organization's desired state and as a state through a series of independent artifacts, define how these artifacts interrelate with each other, developing a set of prioritized aligned initiatives to meet the organizational goals, communicate this understanding to stakeholders in human consumable manners to advance the organization to its as a state and its desired state. Architecture is the baseline for addressing and managing change. And the architecture needs to be human consumable in less than, by the way, 90 seconds. If this isn't it, what is your baseline? What are you using to analyze your cybersecurity situation? Think about it. What are you using? If it's not architecture, as I described it, it's not this, I hope. And it's not this set of tools. This is the IT end state. This is not what we can use to analyze these complexities. This is complexity that is added to the complexity that has allowed, in our opinion, for the increase in cybersecurity. And if you don't agree with this, give me an understanding of what you think it is. As you can see here, and we're not the only one out there, of course, that has been doing a lot of research here. It keeps coming back to the same issues. And they're not hard to address. Okay. So we have to recognize it's about change. That's what we're doing when we're building systems. And anytime we change something, if we don't have a baseline for addressing and managing that change, if we don't have a baseline for addressing and managing that change, we can increase the number of vulnerabilities. It's sort of kind of simple when we look at it that way. And as we know, there are three ways to change an object. Go for it and see what happens. High risk, low reliability, change by trial and error. Throw it away and start all over again. Scrap it because its useful life is exhausted or don't change it. And the third way is to reverse engineer and change it so that we can figure out what's going on, which requires a blueprint and architecture. And this is the key to reducing the cybersecurity issues. Some kind of representation to say, here's what we have, here's where we want to go, here's the roadmap, 
the clarity that's there, and then off we go. So how do we do this? How do we reverse engineer and change it? We recreate and find the drawings, change the drawings, change the physical object. That's what cybersecurity is all about. Looking at the as a state, looking at the desired state, and then figuring how to get there. Not by writing more code and figuring out what happens later because we did a compile test or 17 tests. Just like Einstein said, 55% minutes of thinking, 5% in doing. We gotta think about this. So how do you change something? How do you change a building? You don't go for it. How do you change an airplane? You don't go for it. How do you change a PC? Well, if it's a company's PC, you go for it. If it's your own PC, it's a whole different story. How do you change a system? Right now, the issue is quite simple. We have option one or option two. And how do you change the enterprise? Well, the evildoers have figured out how to quote change the enterprise because they see we don't have option three. At the same time, we can actually speed up the organization's desire to move forward to their desired state if we follow this pattern. And that comes from one of the vulnerabilities, one of the cyber risks that we're gonna be chatting about in just a minute or so. And that's that we are stuck, we, the community, generally is stuck in what we call maturity level one. This is the key in our opinion, for addressing the cyber attacks that we have. We gotta move the maturity level of the software development process. Again, borrowing from the physical world, there are general manufacturing maturity phases. The first phase that we have found most organizations are in is called make to order. If you are doing use cases and business process modeling notation and agile programming and waterfall programming and X programming of any kind in general, you are in make to order. You are building more and more vulnerability into your organization. I'm sorry. And the people writing software for you that you're buying are probably in this same maturity level. And that's why you have to know about your software supply chain. Long lead times, high cost, generally low reliability. The next phase of maturity is called provide from stock. The issue there is quite simple. If you believe that the software from a third party commercial off-the-shelf packages is good, fantastic. What you need to do is to change your business to fit the package. Let me repeat. You have to change your business to fit the package. What? Yeah. Because if you don't, and you're going to write your own software now, you're going to go back to maturity level one and increase the complexity and the vulnerability in your organization. Because now you have your custom code and you have the, develop, the, the vendor's code and you have the interfaces between those that you all have to maintain. Reduce cost, possibly. High reliability, maybe, but limited flexibility. The key to enterprise agility and security. Notice the two words I put together. The key to enterprise agility and security is assemble to order. Assemble to order. Almost custom products, 
high re reuse, reduced time to market, and mass customization in quantities of one. Assemble. That's how cars come off the assembly line with 13 to 17,000 parts, and it works pretty well most of the time. And when it doesn't, there's a baseline for addressing and managing change, and it can be addressed. No, there is no flawless, but there is flaw repair in a logical manner relatively quickly. However, as we all know and don't, have to, and don't joke about, we don't have to pull over to a red light every once in a while and hit control alt delete to get the car restarted again. They are a marvel of engineering, a marvel of engineering, just one example, or the hundred story building that you're in or the house that you're in and the door that opens up or the stove that works or the microwave that works. I can go on and on, all assemble to order. So the enterprise question is, how do you do this? Well, guess what? Banging your head against the wall burns up about 150 calories, but I wouldn't do that as an exercise too much. And we see in the physical world, the evolution. This was assembled to order one, version 1.0 in the car business. This is version 2.0. This is version 3.0. And this is the best concept that people have told us for an image of what assemble order looks like. It is a salad bar. Think about the salad bar. Every one of these ingredients is independent. We can check the quality, we can check the pedigree, we can check the lineage, we can check everything out. We need a salad bar for our enterprise and we can assemble to order. Think about how many different types of salads we can build with this concept. You and I don't need to build every element here. What we need to do, we are responsible for making salad. The vendors, if I can use that phrase, are responsible for getting us the elements. And we buy from those vendors that provide us with pure, certified, traceable elements that fit our demand. Just think about the power of how many salad variations you can build with 16 elements on a salad bar. Think about your organization and the agility and safety and lack of cyber risk that you can bring in the organization by using these concepts. And to get there, you're gonna have a legacy that you will isolate by taking that information and putting them into what we call a data distribution center and a process distribution center as a holding tank so that eventually you can get rid of the legacy. If you keep connecting to the legacy, you're gonna have those vulnerabilities all the time. And we call that individual the Certified Agile Enterprise Practitioner. A number of skills involved there, all integrated. They work off of each other and it's based on practice, not by passing a multiple guess exam but by actual demonstrated practice at a minimum in a classroom environment, and then of course, outside. So over time, this will bring us the logic we need for the software vendors that are listening to me, you will become the people that provide the salad bar elements. If you're an enterprise, you're gonna be using that and you can put your initial things in there to get started. There is a pathway for everybody to get us out of this cybersecurity pandemic.
It is an emergency. We are past the fun stage here. The number of infections are growing all the time. We need a national approach, or at least your approach. Again, you see my nervous laugh here because I don't know how to do it any other way to get people's attention that we need to do this. And this will allow us to stay on the path to, and please notice the words, an agile and secure enterprise, not just agile. We've got to stop talking about that word alone. I truly believe this has exacerbated, exacerbated the issues that we're seeing today. The path to enterprise security and agility may not be the path that a lot of people are comfortable with because what we do is follow the confirmation bias that's out there. Please remember how many things we have seen out there that have proven out to be false. Can't do powered flight. Can't put an object in space. Can't put a man on the moon. Can't land on the moon. There are two patterns that we see. First, we always see the same thing. We can't do X. And even if we could, no value. Second, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable man persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. It's you that are going to make the difference here. The change agent, the 15% of the people that look at this and say, this makes sense. And I'm really tired of getting beaten over the head and going home and not feeling good about what I'm doing. So what are the two root causes that we've identified based on all of this stuff that we're talking about? This is not in a priority order. This is what we have found. Both are solvable and both need to be addressed. Root cause, number one, no baseline for addressing and managing change. There is a program that's built, something that's compiled. We run a bunch of tests and we put it out there. We have no idea, no insurance. We don't know what the percentage of probability is of that effect having an effect on something else. There is no baseline. This is not hard to fix. Think about a blueprint. Think about the physical world. Think about the failures out there on Apollo 11 or whatever it is, or the, the, the tragedies in the Challenger program during the uh, shuttle program and how they were able to figure out what was going on. There was a baseline for addressing and managing change. Number two, maturity level one software development practices, they have got to go up to maturity level three. There is nothing stopping us except for momentum, inertia, and confirmation bias. There is nothing preventing us from doing this. And you can look at history outside of the software profession, which isn't a profession yet, of course, you know that, and see that this is the pathway. There's nothing preventing us from doing this. And that's the maturity that we've gone and look at. Now, as we close out, what was our analysis basis? 
Unfortunately, the internet has no consistent, verifiable sourcing of information. It was not much of use to us. Put that word in there. Root cause analysis, cybersecurity, whatever you want to put in combination. It's frightening. Nothing. And for sure, nothing verifiable. Therefore, the analysis that we did was based on client engagements, analysis of their environments, and the approach that we used, which was really client-friendly and people could understand it. We use the 5Y analysis most of the time. Closing thoughts. Your analysis is only as good as the information you collect. That's the caveat that I want to suggest to you here. Do we think with a high degree of confidence, with the traceability I've given you, we've identified the root cause? Yes. Could there be other causes? Yes. Could they possibly be root causes? Don't know. Root causes run deep, as you know, from the roots in a tree. Number two, this one's hard. Your knowledge can get in the way of good root cause analysis. The word assume or believe. Of course, your lack of knowledge can get in the way of good root cause analysis, and we hope we've added to your knowledge base. You have to understand what happened before you can understand why. What happened? You can't solve all human performance problems with discipline, training, and procedures. Is this important? Yes. Why haven't 23 million or whatever the number was, millions of people, not changed their password to one, two, three, four, five, six? Okay. You can't discipline, train procedures. There are things that we need to do. Sometimes people can't see the corrective action if they find the root cause. Well, how do we fix this? How do you fix the problems that we're seeing out there? I'm suggesting there is a pathway here. It's uncomfortable to some people because they get paid for writing lines of code. And if, if they can't write lines of code, they believe that they're not invaluable. They're not valuable anymore. They sure are. There's other skillings that are out there. And all investigations do not need to be equal. Some steps can be skipped. And by the way, there's nothing magical about the five whys other than that seems to be what seems to work a lot of the times. Sometimes it's seven or eight. Sometimes it's two or three. Most of the time, by the way, incredibly, the five whys seems to work pretty well. Final, final clothing, closing thoughts. As you go out into the real world, you're going to find four different types of people. Those that do the work, those that talk about doing the work, that's kind of fun, isn't it? Those that claim they've done the work 143,000 times, just ask me, and those that take the credit. We suggest you join us in the first group. There's less competition. Please join us in that group. I hope that this is added to your knowledge base of understanding how this works, how architecture is one of the keys to this, and the other key being this concept of assembling to order as being the keys to addressing this growing threat to all of us. I'm not sound, trying to sound too alarmist here. Yeah, I am a little bit, of course, but this is a threat to everybody. And you and I have the ability to address this. You wanna know who I am or what I've been doing in the past? Please take a look at here. It would be my pleasure to talk to you 
on the telephone, on one of the video links, on email to answer any questions or comments you have. And please, please take a look at joining us at one of our workshops. Notice I didn't say seminars, workshops on some of these concepts to start bringing agility and security to your organization. Thank you again for your time. My pleasure bringing you this information. Move forward, bring those two vital things to your organization, agility and security, not just one or the other. Thanks again. Have a great day. Hi, my name is Sam Holtzman with the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence. The sole mission of our organization is to help your organization move from the industrial age through the internet age into the information age. Since 1972, our firm has been dedicated to the practice of enterprise architecture and what we refer to now as Enterprise Architecture 3.0. Enterprise Architecture 1.0 began with Dewey Walker in 1966. When at IBM, he came up with the process called business systems planning. And that was focused on understanding the enterprise through the eyes of building information systems. Enterprise Architecture 2.0 was best defined by what is referred to as the BAIT model, Business Application Information Technology Architectures, more correctly termed EITA, Enterprise Information Technology Architecture, which is focused on understanding what is needed to be done prior to implementation of information systems. We're now moving to EA 3.0, which is about information not focused on the internet and technology as a delivery mechanism alone. We're moving into the information age, and EA 3.0 that we practice is about understanding the enterprise and business through a series of human consumable representations rather than looking at the enterprise and business through the eyes of a computer system or a compiler. Enterprise Architecture 3.0 is best described and defined as the enabler of business strategy. Please join us in this journey. We provide online courses, workshops, classroom-based, and full enterprise architecture support. We look forward to hearing from you either through email or call us. We'll be happy to speak with you soon.